Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn them over to Ephesians chapter 6, and tonight we are wrapping it up, concluding study of love rules. We've got a couple to get, and then uh, once we get past these, then I'm going to hand out, um, uh, the ushers will hand out um, all of them, and we'll just kind of do a recap, and we'll close it out like that. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Uh, Lord, we thank you for being our God, for loving us so much, for being so gracious and patient. Um, Lord, there's um, not really any words that we can say. There's not enough thanks or praise that we can give uh, that um, could ever do. Uh, Lord, help us to give ourselves wholly to you, not only in praise, but also in devotion and commitment. Even in now as we open up your word and um, we wrap this study up, help us to, to focus on you, help us to stay focused on you, and to take these uh, principles, these things that we've learned uh, throughout the course of this study with us, and may they be not only uh, teaching us from this point forward, but reminding us uh, the important truths that we've learned. And again, we pray that you're glorified through this. pray that you just simply use me as a vessel and that your will be accomplished in all of this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, two weeks ago, if you remember, we were talking about uh, the importance of prayer in the spiritual battle. Um, that was something vital. It is so vital. We have to remember We've got to be praying not only for ourselves, but we're supposed to be praying for each other, uh, in those of us who are in the body of Christ. And then even further, we saw the importance of praying for pastors and church leaders. Uh, Paul himself, remember, asked, pray for me. That's what he asked. He asked the Ephesian believers to pray for him, that he could have boldness to utter uh, the gospel and to, to be faithful to what God had called him to do, regardless of his circumstances. And again, uh, we'll be reminded that he was in prison writing this letter to the, the church there in Ephesus. Uh, he could have been focused on so many other things, and, and we'll talk about this in just a minute as well, but think about that. He could have been, just like when we went through our uh, Philippian study, he could have been focused on his problems, he could have been focused on his health, he could have been focused on so many other things, uh, but he was worried about giving the encouragement, the instruction, the edification uh, to others in his uh, sorrow. And if you recall, uh, I've, I've even preached that in the last probably six months, uh, maybe, maybe longer than that, um, the importance of realizing sometimes God takes us to places and it's not necessarily about us. Uh, it's about what God's going to do in somebody else's life through us. Uh, we've got to remain faithful regardless. And again, we see that example of the Apostle Paul writing these things as the Holy Spirit's breathing them to him. Uh, but in his sorrow, in his affliction, in his bondage, all those things, the Apostle Paul's doing that. And so I love this conclusion to this letter uh, that we're going to look at, seeing him being this vessel that the Lord uses in this circumstance. And so if you have your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 21. It says, But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, uh, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. So again, he could have been focus on, focusing on himself, could have been focusing on his woes, his problem. But writing letters to churches, writing letters to other brothers, edifying them, instructing them, giving them things they needed, 
uh, was more important to the Apostle Paul. So important for us to get that. But above and beyond that, we see him pointing out somebody, uh, a man named Tychicus, who had a few qualities that when we look at on the surface, we can just breeze right by. But I believe that should be found in every single Christian. So if you're a child of God here tonight, I believe these qualities should be found in you. Not only in you, they should be found in every Christian leader. They should be found in every pastor. Every, every child of God should have these qualities that we see in this. So look at, look at it again in, in verse 21. It says that he was a beloved brother, an agapitos brother. Uh, what does that mean? It means that he was dear. Not only was he loved, but he was very loving himself. And Paul knew him. He, he knew this man could be trusted to bring the letter to the Ephesians that he was writing in this prison cell because of his love and not only because of the love that Tychicus had for Paul, the, the, the love that was uh, experienced there as, as uh, beloved brothers, but the second thing, it says that he was a faithful servant. A faithful servant. Now, we could, we could talk all night about the importance of these three qualities in our lives as believers. Number one, the importance of love. Number two, the importance of faithfulness. And number three, the importance of servanthood. So again, we could, we could preach an entire message on those three things. But I want to bring this out because this is so vital. In Paul's moment of desperation, in his moment of need, in his moment to see the spiritual work that the Holy Spirit was doing and that had done, to see it continue on, Paul turns to this man to carry out something that Paul wasn't going to be able to do. And so we see in this that Paul needed, just as pastors need today and church leaders need today, men and women who not only love God, but love the church, love the bride of Christ, and are faithful. That's what I need. That's what the pastors in this church need. That's what the pastors all over the, the, the world need. That's what church leaders all over need people who not only love God, but love his church. Because that's why Jesus died. He died to save us from our sin, but we are the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. We are his bride. We are his people. We are, as a, as a collective body, so eternally important to him. And so, uh, as, as we're doing the work of God on this, on this earth, in this temporal realm, it's vital that we see how important it is to love each other and to be faithful to each other, to be faithful to the call, to be faithful to the Lord's church. It doesn't mean just church attendance as far as worship services go. Of course that's a part of it. The Bible tells us very clearly not to forsake that type of assembly. Uh, but even beyond that, we should be going above and beyond just encouraging each other, loving each other, being faithful to the, to the, the work of God uh, inside these church walls. We know that. And so again, we see, this, we see this man that Paul's turning to, and he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm sending him to you. I'm, I'm, I'm relying on this man who is loved and who is loving, who is faithful and who is a servant. I think faithfulness today is often overlooked. It's an overlooked virtue in our culture. And the reason why I think it's often overlooked is because our culture is primarily about self-gratification, which says this, do what you want, even if you have to break a commitment. That's the truth. I mean, that, that's, that's the nature. I mean, you look at it in business, you look at it in uh, pleasure, you look at it in, unfortunately, the church, and that is 
the, the, the sentiment, that's the, the cultural um, attitude, if you will, today is do what you want to do regardless of what you have to break, regardless of who you have to burn, regardless of who gets hurt, because it's all about you. That's what our culture says. Um, I remember growing up, there were um, consequences to doing wrong. There were rewards for doing right. And many of you know we've kind of gone through that phase where a generation was raised, and, and we're seeing it today, that everybody was a winner. Nobody needed to face consequences. Everybody got a ribbon. Everybody gets a trophy. Uh, there's no champions. Uh, there's, there's no true success because everybody is a winner, right? That's, that's kind of the mindset that is, has prevailed. Why? Because it's all about feeling good about yourself and, and all those things. And, and so that's the cultural attitude today is of the virtue of faithfulness. Again, you see it in business, see it in pleasure, see it in the church, see it in marriages, you see it in relationships, you see it in, in so many different things today. Do what you want even if you have to break a commitment. And this man was a man that Paul knew I can give this letter to and he's going to get it to where it needs to go. And not only is he going to deliver the letter, he's going to do what I need him to do. What the Holy Spirit has prompted me to do for this, these, these believers, I have full confidence in him doing what he's supposed to do. You've heard me say this before, but uh, when we are, are, are looking at um, leaders, when we're looking at um, people holding a position in the church, uh, if we're, we're, we're looking at something like that, the very first thing that I consider and that I've told our, our elders and, and leadership to consider is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. To what? To everything. And so well, what do you mean everything? We've got to be a part of every single thing. I'm not saying that. But it's just a virtue that should exist in every believer. But it should be a virtue that exists in every single leader. What if Paul took a day off? What if Paul said, you know what? I'm just not feeling like writing today. Well, I'm, I'm just not feeling like preaching the gospel today. And say, so, well, he couldn't. He's the apostle Paul. Why, what's the exception with the apostle Paul? He was called by Jesus Christ. He was saved by Jesus Christ. He was, he was given the same commission as the, the other apostles and as the church as a whole. And so again, the apostle Paul's responsibility in being faithful was, was very high, but it shouldn't be considered, I don't believe, considered higher than... Tychicus's responsibility to be faithful. And so again, faithfulness is an essential, essential virtue, essential quality uh, in our service to the, to the Lord. And again, that's what the next thing he says. He was a faithful servant. So we aren't told there were any strings attached here. Tychicus uh, was devoted to the Lord. He was devoted to the Lord's purposes. He was devoted to the Lord's teacher. And again, there, were, there wasn't any strings attached to his service to those things. And once again, had Paul strayed, I believe, had Paul went a direction that was uh, extra biblical, had Paul gone off the right path, I believe Tychicus, as a dear brother, a beloved brother, as a faithful servant of God, I believe he would have discussed that with Paul. I believe he would even have admonished Paul if necessary and said, hey, Paul, don't you think that we should reconsider going that direction since Jesus said this? I think, I think Tychicus would have been that for Paul. And I don't think that he would have followed that path. Now, that may be presumptuous, and I think it is, because I don't know Tychicus. We're not told a whole lot about him, but we're told some very important things. Not only here are we told these things, we're told it also in Acts chapter 20 where he's mentioned. He's also mentioned in 2 Timothy to that second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. 
And then he's also mentioned in, in the letter to Titus. So this man was very clearly with Paul along this path. He was faithful, he was beloved, and he was a servant. He was trusted. He was, he was able to be trusted because of the qualities and because of those things that he exhibited. He, he, was, he was loved, he was loving, he was faithful, and he was a servant. No strings attached. And so I believe that's why Paul trusted him to not only inform the Ephesians of how Paul was, but what also Paul was doing in prison in order to encourage them and comfort them. Again, they, they had been started, this church had been started. Um, Paul had, had gone along in the, in the other journeys, had been brought to Rome uh, in, in prison. And now the Ephesian believers, along with other churches, were wondering, hey, what's going on with Paul? We've gotten word that he's been in prison. You know, what, what now? What does this mean for the gospel ministry? This is the guy who the Lord used to start all these works. And from there, other works have started. So now what? Tychicus was this man that was trusted to, to encourage them and comfort them. And in verse 22, it says that. It says, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs and that you might comfort, and that he might comfort your hearts. Again, that, that may not seem like a big deal when we just read it, so he was sent to, to let them know what's going on with their affairs and to comfort their hearts. No, 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 no. We, we completely miss the gravity of the situation by just reading this. But this was a really big deal. This was a really, really big deal to, to all the churches then. Like I said, the Apostle Paul, I mean, think about this. And this is a, a, a fleshly analogy, uh, but, but what would happen if, in our mind if, like, the president went down? And so, well, the vice president would take over. No, no, no. It, it would be a big deal. We, we, we would think, oh, no, what, we, we, what are we going to do? And we've read about this in history books when, when things like this have happened. You know, maybe some people experienced even when an assassination happened. And so, you know, but this is crazy. Well, I mean, our president is gone. What do we do now? He's, he's taken down. Or a pastor or, or, or another leader. You say, man, what are we going to do now? Paul had absolute confidence in Tychicus to go and comfort their hearts in their state. That's a big deal. To trust someone to take care of something so sensitive, to take care of something so important, as to comfort people's hearts, to comfort them in their affliction, to comfort them in their worry, to comfort them with, you know, with, with encouraging words, that was a big deal. And so in this example, we see him being trusted with this business, and so we gain love rule number 46. Our goal should be to be defined by love, faithfulness, and servanthood. And so again, in your life and my life, that's what we should desire. You know what? I want people to know me as that, that, I, that, I, that I was loved and I loved, that I was faithful to, to God, to the things of God, to his church, to his mission, and that I was a servant. Now that I did all these things to, to gain a name, no, 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 no. That, that, that this is what defined me. Love of God, love of people, faithfulness, and servanthood. We move on, verse 23, it says, Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Again, this was written from Rome, delivered by this, this faithful servant, Tychicus. And so, Paul's expression of love and care we see here is another great example. Here he is in prison. Another great example to the believers there in Ephesus, and not only to those believers that would read this letter, 
delivered to them by this faithful servant, but also to, it should be an example to us today. What, what was he doing? He was saying peace, love with faith, and grace. That's what his desire was for those things to rest on the members of the body of Christ. Those things resting on the members of the body of Christ, and that should be our desire for each other today. You should be, as we saw already, we should be praying for each other daily. We should be praying for leaders daily, not only just for yourself, the things that you're going through. You should be praying for the people across the aisle from you, next to you, in front of you, behind you. You should be praying for the persecuted church, the, the, our brothers and sisters that are in bondage, just like Paul was in bondage. We should be praying for the body of Christ. And specifically, there should be some things that we should be praying that God would pour out on the members of the body of Christ. You should be praying that the person next, sitting next to you experiences the peace of God. You should be praying that they experience and that they have the love that only God can give mingled with faith. And not only that, grace, unmerited favor. Paul was saying, this is what I desire for you and for all them that are following Jesus Christ in sincerity. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but when's, when's the last time that you, you prayed for a church member? Not necessarily that was going through something, but we talked about this uh, the, two weeks ago when we were talking about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But when's the last time that you prayed for a church member to have God's grace just poured out in their life? Unmerited favor. God, I don't know what they're going through right now. I don't know all the details, but they're just heavy on my heart right now. and I just want you to give them peace. I want them to experience your love. And I pray that your grace, your unmerited favor just pours over their life, pours over their family, and whatever they're going through. So again, in the culture that we live in, it's sometimes so hard for us to get to that place in praying for those things for other people because why? We're so busy in the self-gratification-themed culture that we live in. We're so busy praying for ourselves for those things. God, I want your peace. God, I, I want to feel your love. God, I, I, and they're not wrong things to pray. But think about the effect that we would have if we were all praying for each other that way. But we get wrapped up in us. God, help me in my problem. God, help me in my family's problems. God, again, nothing wrong with that. But don't stop there. Don't stop there praying just for yourself. Pray for the people in this room. Pray for the people, the members of this church. Pray for the body of Christ overall. Pray for each other, for these things to be poured out in our lives. And I'll, again, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again tonight. Please pray those things for me and my family. I'm praying them for you and your family. Pray for each other and pray for your leaders in, in that way. And so love rule number 47, as we get the last one in this study, is this. We should all desire peace, love with faith, and grace upon each other. And we should pray like that. And so I want to challenge you with that. I want you to remember that. I want to ask our ushers at this time to hand out um, some papers uh, that they have. And this is our, our recap of um, the love rules. And we're just going to kind of go down them. And, and uh, maybe God is going to, in this recap, maybe something's going to speak, uh, kind of stand out to you as we go down it. We're not going to stop and talk a whole lot on each one. We're just going to kind of recap um, each of these love rules. 
But again, I want to encourage you, this, all these things have to have concentrated efforts uh, behind them. We've got to remember them. We've got to be engaged in them. Tremendous amount of uh, things that we've learned through this study. Now, this is something important to, to realize as they're passing out. Some of you are going to be like, I cannot even read that. That's little. But thanks to technology, we are going to have it up on the screen. So you can follow along, and when you get home, you get your magnifying glass out. Um, but this, I, I did this because each time that we've done a study like this, I've had several people ask, uh, we want the whole list. We want to be able to like, keep this at our desk. We want to be able to keep this on our fridge, uh, just as a reminder. Um, and, it, and it's geared that way to be put somewhere because you can, you can like our other notes, you can flip it uh, this way. So if you're looking at the front side, you should just be able to flip it up and see the back side as well. So, so let's just kind of go through these real quick. Um, and again, just keep your hearts open. These are all rules based off of Scripture. These are all the principles that we've got from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. To this very last verse that we saw tonight, chapter 6, verse 24. So, verse, uh, love rule number one is this. Faithfulness to God is a consequence of being fully persuaded by truth. Again, we just, isn't that so interesting how we almost conclude the chapter with looking at an example of a man that was faithful? And the first love rule we got at the very beginning was faithfulness to God is a consequence of being fully persuaded by truth. In other words, there's no problem that I have being faithful to God when I know what the Word of God says. When, I, when I'm fully persuaded by the truth of God, faithfulness is a result of that. Faithfulness is a consequence. And so uh, the more you know, the more that you have the word of God in you, the easier it is to be faithful to the Lord. Love rule number two. God's unfathomable love and grace to us should spring a well of thanksgiving as we know that we are eternally his. Number three. Our relationship with others finds its success in our proper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's something that it was a conversation even today up here as we were talking about, um, you know, if our relationship with God isn't right, our relationship with each other can't be right, and vice versa. If you, if you have something against your brother or sister in Christ, you've you got to know you can't go to God and expect anything to happen until you make that right with that brother or sister in Christ. And so, again, our relationship with others finds success in its proper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. For every step of our faith should be a step to a more deeper a deeper, more intimate relationship with our Lord. So again, if you're faith, we, there's a song, um, and we've tried to do it before. We haven't uh, done it. Uh, I think maybe we've tried it in practice, but it's called, uh, many of you know it here on the radio probably every day, Oceans. And it, the, 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 it, the whole thing is, take me deeper. Take me deeper than, than my feet could ever wander. Take, take me deeper in my walk with you. Uh, take me out of my comfort zone. Today, Many people in Christianity, we say, I just want to stay in the comfort zone. Don't take me out of my comfort zone. I want to remain in my comfort zone. But that's not what faith does. Um, you know, we, uh, I showed you that video of Francis Chan here recently, and that's what he said. There's a disconnect. Uh, parents and, and homes aren't living out the faith according to Scripture. And so our kids in this room, the next generation, isn't seeing the walk, the adventure of faith that they read about in Scripture because parents and homes aren't willing to live it because parents and homes are more like, I just want to stay like this. I want to rock the boat. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to step out of the boat and walk on water, you know. And Jesus is calling you, you know, hey, walk by faith. Again, our, every step of our faith should be a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Lord. That doesn't mean that you're throwing uh, responsibility to the wind. It doesn't mean that you're just saying, you know what, I'm just going to do stupid things. Just trust God. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. There's kids in here. 
Brother Kyle will pray and ask the Lord to forgive me for saying that S word. Uh, but we should not do irresponsible and ignorant things um, and just say, I'm just trusting the Lord. Um, so, number five, the deep things of God are only revealed to those who have sincere love for God and that is manifested through obedience. And again, so important. Number six, God's perfect expression of his great love was to die for us to have eternal life with him. That's a profound thought. A perfect expression of love and great love was that he, was, he, would, he died for us. He died so we could have eternal life. Just, again, so that's a simple truth, but it's still so profound. Number seven, God's love and work in us to give us eternal life should produce a life of allegiance and obedience to him all the days of our life. God's love and work in us to give us eternal life should produce a fruitful life of allegiance and obedience to him all the days of our life. Again, another, another rule is talking about faithfulness. Eight, the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ brought us near from far and opened the door for Jew and Gentile alike to enter into the holiest. Number nine, Christ is the focus of the church. Therefore, he must be the focus of our entire lives as part of his spiritual building, as part of the church. So again, that is the focus. He is the focus, the head. And so our lives should be focused on the head, which is Christ, as the Bible says. Number 10, God's mysteries show his desire to manifest his love and power through those who trust him. So I wish God would just direct me, then, then trust him. See his word, trust him, obey him, and I promise you, He's going to direct you. And again, that, that, that's going, those things are going to be manifested. Number 11, our faith in Christ should reveal a love for him and for others that produces obedience, come what may. Regardless of the consequences, regardless of what we think might happen or what might not happen, our faith in Christ should bring us to a point of obedience regardless of what it costs. Regardless. The central focus of our lives in service for God is to be God's grace and the central figure of our lives and service for God is to be Jesus Christ. We talked about the grace perspective, um, having that as our guide, just maintaining grace. Uh, number 13, service for Christ may bring trials, but if suffering is part of glorifying Christ and accomplishing his higher purpose, then it's eternally worth it to see others saved. Again, Paul was sitting in this Roman prison cell. He was suffering for the cause of Christ, and yet he was saying, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it because others may be saved. We need God's strength from within so that Christ's presence would be evidenced by his residence in our everything, in our everyday lives and everything we do, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, everything. Number 15, service for God doesn't trump the importance of intimacy with God. And again, I want to reiterate that. Uh, just because you're busy doing things in the church or with the church or, or all those things, it does not trump the importance of being in the Word of God and talking to God yourself on a daily basis. It should be reversed. Our intimacy with God should produce those things, that service that comes from that intimacy. And so again, I challenge you, if you don't have an intimacy with the Lord in a, on, a, on a daily basis, you've got to get that. Regardless if you hold a title, regardless if you hold a position, regardless if you lead a ministry, or if you work in a ministry every single day, those things should come from our intimacy. We should have an intimacy and not just service alone. If we aren't humble, gentle, and patient with each other, then we can't expect there to be unity. That's so true. 
We should be striving in everything we do to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. And we've got to be humble, gentle, and patient with each other to make sure uh, that, that that is, is done. 17, as a part of the body of Christ, our job is to stay unified with him and with each other. Unity is vital. 18, our embracing of and submission to the gifts that are given to the church should reflect our embracing of the redeeming Savior himself. Because again, it's his church, his body. It's, it's his gifts that he gives. And so our embracing and submission to those gifts whether they be the actual spiritual gifts or the men given to the church, the gifts, as the Bible says, those pastors and, 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 and leaders in the church. Again, our embracing and submission to those should reflect that, you know what, we're saying Christ is the head, it's his design. The only, think about this. The only organization that Jesus Christ ever started, if anybody could have been an entrepreneur, it was Jesus Christ, God. I mean, he's, he's a mastermind. He is the mastermind. And so... If anybody could have done so many other organizations and started so many other uh, ministries, if you will, it was Jesus Christ while he walked this earth. But you know what he did? He started one, and it was the church, and that was enough. And so again, when we th look at what is, what, what, how can we reach this world today? The church, the gospel. That's his way. That's what he came and set up, and that's what he left to accomplish his work. And so again, so vital for us to embrace his system. You know, there's pastors, there's spiritual gifts, there's, there's those things and the gospel. Embrace them and God can do amazing things. 19, if we don't respond to the gifted men that Christ gave to the church by following their teaching and leadership, of course, biblical, the body can't work and be built up in love the way that Christ designed it. Number 20, our contribution to the kingdom begins with a daily renewal of our mind as we put on the new man in Christ. So again, our contribution every single day to the kingdom of God that doesn't go away or that doesn't just happen on Sundays, our contribution every day to the kingdom of God begins with that daily renewal of our mind. Number 21, our love of God should be evident by our love for his body and the treatment thereof. You so say, love, I love my church. It should be seen. We should, we should see and experience the love of the body of Christ. That should be real. And our love of God should be evident by our loving each other. Number 22, our imitation of God's love should be a life of sacrifice, live to see others reconciled to God, just as Jesus Christ demonstrated. So again, how did God demonstrate his love? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the example we have, and so our lives should be patterned after that. We should be living and sacrificing and serving so that others would be saved and reconciled to God. Number 23, the contrast of our lives with our attitudes, our actions, and our speech with the world should be so stark that there's no question whose child we are. We should be it should be evident to everybody around us and everybody we encounter that we are the children of God, period. That should be what happens in our life. Not, not that your family member or your coworker, you know, you've heard the testimonies before where somebody says, you know, I, I invited somebody to church finally, and they were surprised that I was even a Christian. That, that's... That's so prevalent today, though. Everybody we encounter, especially the people that we're with for eight hours a day, should know that we are a child of God by our attitudes, our actions, and our speech. Number 24, our lives as children, as God's children, are to be devoted to seeking out and living out what pleases Him. Not what pleases our neighbor, not what pleases ourselves, but what pleases God. Number 25, if those in darkness are to come to the light, we who are in the light must make the best use of our time living in the light. So again, we, if, we're, if there's ever a hope to see lost people taken from darkness and death to light and life, 
then we've got to live like that. We've got to make sure they're exposed to the light, the light of the glorious gospel. We've got to expose them through our faithfulness to him. Number 26, our love for God and his possession of our lives should move us to desire, filling of, and being controlled by his spirit alone. The fact that we are his, the fact, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we should desire to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Every day, we should be calling out to God, God, fill me with your spirit and direct my steps. The Bible says in Proverbs that a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. We should be asking God to direct our steps every single day, that the Holy Spirit would guide us in everything that we do. Number 27, our spirit-filled lives should produce edification of others, worship to God, continual gratitude to God for, the, for all things and mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. Again, if we are being filled by the Spirit of God, it should produce some things. It should produce us encouraging each other, lifting each other up. It should produce worship to God if we're filled with the Spirit. And it should also produce this continual gratitude for everything. Be thankful for all things. Regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you have or don't have, regardless of what you're going through or not going through, being filled with the Spirit produces a gratitude. You know what? Thank you, Lord. That's what Paul said. I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. You can praise Him regardless. Social relationships. We, move, we moved into this into Ephesians chapter 5. And it says this, number 28, a wife's submission to your husband or her husband as service to Christ serves as a visible example for others to see what not only a right marriage looks like, but what a right relationship with Christ looks like. Again, that's what our marriages, as Christian marriages, are supposed to demonstrate to the world is what our relationship as Christians look like with Jesus Christ. Number 29, a husband's role is to love their wives in such a way that esteems their wives even above their own lives. I've talked to people before and said, so, uh, so I, I'm supposed to do this regardless of what she does. And I've said, absolutely. And I've told the wife, you're supposed to do this regardless of what he does. And that's a hard thing to do because, again, we are human people with flesh. And we like to say, well, if they're going to do this, then I'm not going to do this. It's not that way. We are given a role. We're given a responsibility. And in these social relationships that he has designed, uh, we've got to make sure that we're given our all. Number 30, a husband's love and, and, uh, husband's love and a wife's respect should illustrate the beautiful union of Christ and his church as well as demonstrate what God's blessings look like. Again, our marriages should, should show the world God's blessings are good. God's blessings are great. God's blessings are amazing. That's what the world should see whenever they see a Christian marriage played out before them every single day. They should think, man, that's amazing. They look like they're enjoying marriage so much. Well, what, what is that to, what is, what do they have in their marriage? Aha, that should be that, that should be that witness to the world of what a right relationship looks like with Jesus Christ, but again, what the blessings of God look like whenever they are followed, uh, whenever his, his structure is followed. Move on to the kids. All the kids in here, we've got to remember this. Children's first social responsibility. In other words, your first, all kids, your first responsibility as a child is to obey your parents. And to submit to this command ensures that the blessings associated with God's promises. And so you want God's hand of blessing in your life, kids, then you've got to make sure, number one, socially, your responsibility is to obey your parents. Of course, your responsibility as kids in this world 
Your first responsibility is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the, that's the main thing. But your social responsibility first is not to your friends. It's not to your, your schoolmates. It's not even to your teachers. Your first responsibility in this world socially is to obey your parents. Number 32, fathers and mothers. Primary responsibility to their children is to point them to Christ by example and instruction. Uh, if you are a parent in here, I encourage you to make sure that you see both of those words. Because a lot of times it's easy to make sure that we're doing and instructing our kids, but not necessarily being that example to our kids. And so our responsibility is to make sure that we are pointing our kids to Christ, not to success in the world, not to riches in this world, not to what we think they should do. Our responsibility, according to God's word, as Christian parents, is to make sure our kids are pointed to Jesus Christ by the example we set to them and by the instructions that we give, give to them. Raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord is what it says. The nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Number 33, <clears throat> as servants, again, we talk about the, the, the work relationship, employees or workers, etc. Our sincere obedience to those who are over us should be unwavering as we serve as unto the Lord. Again, that's what the scripture says, that we are to do it as unto the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 says we're supposed to do all things heartily as unto the Lord. Number 34, those who are bosses or leaders, employers, masters must maintain a high regard for their servants as they lead as unto the Lord. Again, if you're a boss, if you're a manager, if you're over people, you've got to maintain a high regard for the people that are serving underneath you. In other words, a reverence, a mutual respect, because God has entrusted you with those people to lead them and to guide them in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, as unto the Lord. Um, and then we moved on to the spiritual battle, last section here, and we'll wrap it up. Number 35, every day we must ensure that we are relying on God's strength by making conscious efforts to do so. Again, if you remember when we first got into this spiritual battle uh, part of the study, uh, it, it was a conscious thing. Every day, uh, it's a lot easier for me to go off of what I think I should do and kind of go off of my mental strength and my emotional resolve, but let something come along and rock your mind and rock your emotional state, and you'll realize real quick how weak you really are. I realize how weak I really am, and that's what I talked about. If we're honest, we all are miserably weak in ourselves. But that's why every day we've got to make a deliberate effort. Every day, God, I'm trusting you. In other words, when something comes against me and starts to want to hurt my feelings or go against my emotions, I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to do things, I'm going to handle that situation the way you told me to handle it. Not emotionally, not I'm not going to react. When something comes against me and starts weighing on my mind and I start worrying about things, I'm not going to do that and rely on my own strength to carry that worry. I'm just going to turn to your word and I'm going to trust you that if I seek first your kingdom, all these things shall be added to me. I don't have anything to worry about. If you take care of the sparrows, if you take care of the ravens and the lilies and, and, and all those things, then you're going to take care of me, your child, who you died on the cross to pay for my sins and rise again. I know you got this, God. Every day relying on his, his, his strength and not our own. And again, number 36, daily remember that Satan is the enemy of God, therefore he is our enemy. It's not flesh and blood. Remember what it says? We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not the person sitting across the aisle from you that didn't shake your hand, didn't hug your neck, didn't email you, didn't text you, didn't call you, or whatever they didn't do or whatever they did do to hurt your feelings. They're not the enemy. 
Satan is the enemy. The person that you live with that every day you get up and it's the same problem every day and y'all start going like this every single day battling and arguing and having disagreements um, every single day about some of the same things. They're not the enemy. Satan is clearly the enemy because that's what the Bible says. Number 37, daily, deliberately immerse yourself in the truth before you enter the battle. Uh, make sure every day we do this. Again, God tells us, these are the, this is the equipment, these are the resources I give you to be successful in the spiritual battle. How foolish of us, as admittedly weak people in ourselves, to get up every day and go about our day without immersing ourselves, without equipping ourselves spiritually for the battle. That's foolish. That's like going and say, there's a big gunfight outside without taking a gun to the battle, without taking the proper resources with you. If they're available, why would you not take them? And again, that's exactly what God's word said. He said, listen, I have the resources. I've provided them. They work, but you got to use them and you got to put them on. Daily immerse yourself in the truth before you enter the battle. Don't try to do it without it. Number 38, daily deliberately ensure that you're guarding your heart by walking in righteousness, by being obedient to the truth. And that's what it is, the breastplate of righteousness. It's good to immerse yourself, but you've got to make sure that, okay, now that I've immersed myself, I'm going to obey this. I'm going to walk in righteousness, protecting my heart from temptations, from pulls, from attacks. I'm going to be obedient and allow this to protect my heart. Number 39, daily, deliberately ensure that you're prepared by and for the gospel of peace. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Make sure every day you remember, I've been saved by the grace of God. I've been saved. I've been placed in his family. I've been placed in his, in his army. I've been placed on his team. And I have a responsibility to be prepared to give that gospel that saved my soul to somebody in need. Every day, deliberately be prepared for, by the gospel and for the gospel of peace. Number 40, daily, deliberately protect your entire being with confidence in Christ alone. Again, the helmet of salvation, put it on. Remember, I am Christ. I, I am, I, I'm, I'm not going to allow myself uh, to be controlled, dictated, directed by any person because I am Christ alone. Number 41, daily delivery, protect your mind. Again, that's, I'm sorry, that was the helmet of salvation. Protect your mind by remembering whose you are. That helps a lot. You get in a situation, you face a temptation, um, you know, something comes against your mind, fear, whatever. Temptation, whatever comes against you, Putting on, I'm Jesus Christ, I'm his child, I've been bought by his blood. Remembering that you're a child of God helps you avoid a lot of things. And that's what he's saying, protect your mind, remember that you're a child of God. Remember whose you are. Number 42, daily, deliberately, take the word of God as your offensive weapon to battle, to daily battle. Remember, we're not on, defensive, we're not on the defense only. We as the church of Jesus Christ have been promised victory. We've, we've been told that we win in the end. So every single day is our responsibility to take up the offensive battle. Take it to, to him. Don't take, take it to the, to the offensive side. Don't sit back and say, well, I'm just trying to avoid pitfalls. I'm just trying to avoid getting whooped by the enemy. No, you've been giving, given the resource to be victorious in spiritual battle. Offensively, not just fending off the attacks, but taking ground in the battle, seeing those neighbors saved. Hey, seeing people who have attended church for many, many years, raise the, not raise their hand, but come and say, hey, I need to get saved. Taking it to them, not being afraid, be, be bold with what God has given us. Take, take the word of God every single day in the battle. 
Number 43, daily, const, uh, daily, uh, constantly, uh, I'm sorry, daily constant prayer is vital as it is the glue for the spiritual armor of God that we put on. So again, we moved into this uh, in the last study two weeks ago. We've got to make sure that prayer is a part of our, our daily armor. If you're not talking to God, then all these other pieces are going to fall apart. There's no power behind it. There's no power behind just going through motions, uh, even if they are good motions. You know, you can immerse yourself in the Word of God, but if you're not talking to God, if you're not having a conversation with God, it's not very effective. It's not very powerful. Um, the same thing, you can be prepared for the gospel, but if you're not being filled with the Spirit, talking to God, uh, there's not really any power behind that. Number 44, part of our power in the battle comes from our praying for each other. And if you remember, that's what we talked about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says for the, uh, we're supposed to pray for all saints with all perseverance. Constantly pray for each other. Constantly pray for the people in this room. Constantly pray for the members of this church. Every day, do it. And I, I challenged you two weeks ago, I challenged you again. If you're not doing it, start doing it. We need your prayer. We all need each other's prayer. Lift each other up in prayer every single day and say, I just, I forget to do it. Stop forgetting. Remember, this is a part of the success of the church. This is part of our success in the spiritual battle. It's, it relies on you and I praying for each other. Number 45, the body of Christ has to be ever mindful and desperately lift up the men of God who uh, have the responsibility to preach, teach, and lead the people of God. And I said it again. I'll, uh, I'll say it again. I, I beg you to pray for me. I beg you to pray for our Sunday school teachers and our other preachers. Please pray for us. Uh, because there's, there's a multitude of people that get behind pulpits every single week and don't preach the, the Word of God. Multitudes that don't preach the gospel. Jesus Christ died and risen from the grave the way it is. That hell is real, it's eternal. That heaven is real and eternal. There's a multitude of people that don't. And so we need your prayers. Hey, God, continue to fill them, continue to lead them, continue to give, give them the boldness to preach your word unashamedly. Pray for me like that. Pray for hey, God, protect him from, from being pulled any direction away from your word let him always remain true to your word that's my commitment that's what my desires my dedication but again I, i'm a person and i need your prayers i covet your prayers and our leadership covers your covet your prayers our teachers covet your prayers and so make sure every day you're lifting up the people that god has given a responsibility and again that goes into church planners that goes into missionaries everybody who has that responsibility uh, to lead in the church to lead a uh, part of the church uh, to preach and teach, please lift all of us up. And then what we saw tonight, our goal should be to be defined by love, faithfulness, and servanthood. And 47, the last one, we should all desire peace, love with faith, and grace upon each other. And so uh, I pray that you'll take these with you. Again, principles, uh, it's not every single thing that Ephesians says, but there's a lot of the principles that are found in Ephesians in those, in those love rules there. So Again, put them on your refrigerator, put them at your desk at work. That's a good conversation starter. If you work in a secular job, put it at your desk somewhere and somebody comes outside, what is that? You know, hey, let me talk to you about it. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, and so put it there, put it, put it wherever the Lord, in your car, 
um, however you want to do it. Uh, take every day and, and look at one of the principles and say, God, help me apply, help me apply this, this rule in my life today. That's 47 days, and then start over after that and go from there. So uh, I want to ask a musician to come, and um, I want to encourage you. Maybe you just pray tonight, God, I want, I want love to rule in my life. And, and everything that we've talked about, everything that we order tonight, I want that to be my life. I want those things to make up and define my life. Uh, and so I encourage you to pray that. Or maybe as we went through that, something specifically spoke to you. Maybe you're not praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you're not praying uh, the way you should. Uh, maybe you're not in the Word of God daily, prepared for the battle like you should. Whatever, something spoke to you, uh, I invite you to respond to it tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your Word. And again, thank you for this reminder. God, we realize that none of us uh, hit, the, hit the mark all the time. Uh, God, all of us fall short in so many ways. Um, but God, I do pray that if something spoke to us tonight specifically, uh, that we'll be obedient, that we won't just be callous to it, that we won't stay complacent uh, if, if there's something needs to be corrected, God, that we'll be humble and, and we'll take on humility and we'll approach you and be willing to, to, to ask for your help and be willing to step forward in faith and obedience. So God, just move in our lives. Uh, help us be defined by love. Help love rule in our lives. Uh, love for you and love for others. And so, God, we again thank you for this time. Thank you for this study. That's going to move now in Jesus' name. Amen.